This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. Well, here we are. The rugby league season has arrived, and we've just finished round two of the NRL for 2023. Does anybody know what the bloody hell's going on? The Seagulls and the Dolphins are on top of the ladder. The Eels are down the bottom. Well, some people predicted that, I guess. Canterbury are beating the Storm at home. The Knights are winning with basically 11 players. And the Tigers are still shit. There's a lot to unwrap there. (laughs) And that's why we're back for this wonderful edition of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, discussing the NRL and seeing if we can make head to toe of what's been going on and what's going to happen over the coming weeks. So if you're into that kind of thing and you love to hear me ramble on about things that generally don't make any sense and listen to my opinions which are generally wrong, well hang around for the next 20 minutes or so while I do ramble on and rant right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. How are we going with Rugby League after two rounds? <laughs> How are your tips going? Mine are going south very quickly. But there you go. That's Rugby League at the better time. Stop betting on football is probably the first thing you should learn from this. It's been an interesting two weeks. I must admit, I haven't been able to watch a lot of the full games. I've seen the highlights and things like that. Um, busy time in the Peters household, so we can only do so much. But... It's interesting, I guess, that there's some talking points that keep cropping up time and again. And I think we've had that again in the first couple of weeks of the competition. Firstly, though, let's look at the Dolphins. Now, they've, the Redcliffe Dolphins, even though no one wants to call them Redcliffe, but I'm going to continue to call them Redcliffe because you've got to have a place name. You can't just be the Dolphins. And you are based out of Redcliffe, so you are the Redcliffe Dolphins. They've been, oh, what, what's the word? They've, honestly, over the past 18 months in the build-up and, and, and the gaining of Wayne Bennett as coach and then trying to build their team and constantly, supposedly missing out on marquee players, left, right and centre, and uh, other clubs or other players being accused of using the Dolphins to up their price with other clubs. Um, and everyone's sort of saying, well, okay, well, it's their first year in, their side, on paper, their first 17 looks really good, but it looked like they're a bit down on depth apart from that. So, you know, are they going to be wooden spooners or is someone else going to be? Oh, they'll probably finish down the bottom. And, of course, they've come out and they've won their first two games and beaten two you know, reasonable football teams too. It's not as if they're beating mugs. So, of course, you know, we've got the Wayne Bennett factor is suddenly shining all over again and everyone's forgotten what happened, you know, at Newcastle and forgotten that, you know, different things happened at Souths and all that kind of stuff. It's all fine. Bennett's back. He's the he's the god and the Dolphins are two from two and leading the comp. Is that a fair assessment? 
Well, the way they dismantled the Roosters in the first round, it probably is. Uh, a more competitive match uh, last round that's just been played. But I think that they've shown that with their first 17 on the paddock, and yes, I know there's only 13 on at a time, for anyone who's yelling at me through the speakers, they are a good football team. And that's why they recruited those players, especially the Fords and the Melbourne Storm guys, who all know how to win premierships. So they've taken the right steps to start with in their first two games. I think the jury's still out, and I think that we'll discover more as we go through the season and injuries start to come, or suspensions, and we start to see how the back half of the squad fills in and takes over the roles of those uh, main forwards in particular. Uh, And it's certainly come origin time when some of them may also be out for a number of weeks. But it's been the start that, firstly, that the Dolphins needed. They really wanted to get off on the front foot. And for what it's what the NRL needed. They need a competitive second team in Brisbane. They absolutely must have that. And they must be able to bring that uh, rivalry with the Broncos to the fore. So it's great to see them start well. And I'll be interested to see how they go throughout the rest of the season. For the next three or four weeks will be uh, an interesting watch. Beyond that, we've got the Broncos, and they've started off well again too, and they're two from two. Who would have thought it? And of course, they're jumping up and down saying, yes, this is the year and we're going to be right. Well, everyone remembers this is how they started last year. They came out of the box pretty well, and they they started winning matches, and then in the tail end of the season, they fell over. So is it going to be a similar situation this year? Well, I mean, the off-season was rocky again. I mean, it's not as if um, Kevin Walters is getting off scot-free with some of his players. So who knows what the ructions are like up there. Ben Eichens now stepped away from one of the two or three roles he held up there as well. So it's not all peaches and cream at the Broncos. Winning two games helps and uh, gets them in the right frame of mind. But if they start getting a couple of losses, then I think we'll see exactly where the Broncos are sitting this season. Interesting to look at uh, Penrith and the Rabbitohs. Uh, Obviously, Penrith lost their first round game to the Broncos at home that no one expected was going to happen. And suddenly everyone was in the air and saying, oh my goodness, the the Panthers are gone, they're going to fall over. And then last weekend they came out and gave the Rabbits a bit of a touch-up, which was different for the Rabbits who won their first round convincingly and looked really good, and then last week weren't able to quite go with the Panthers. Now, for me personally, I still think these are probably the two best teams in the competition. I think, the, to me, the Rabbitohs look pretty good in that first round. And if they can stay healthy and on the paddock, they're going to be hard to beat. And the Panthers are the same. They've lost some key personnel from last year and, and some key backup personnel that they would have been hoping would have flowed through into their first grade team this year or next year. Uh, so they're going to have to deal with that as well as everybody else, once we get to injuries or suspensions or rep time. But they still look pretty good, and I think they're still going to be there at the end of the season. Otherwise, um, the Bulldogs-Storm game, did that surprise anybody? I know people tipped the Bulldogs to win this game because the Storm had had a pretty tough first game against the Eels that had gotten away with, and then Munster was injured in that game, and he's out for a few weeks, and they're still without Pappenhausen. And, of course, they've lost... A lot of key personnel to the Dolphins and to the Roost, uh, to the Rabbitohs, sorry. 
So, to the rabbit, it's the roosters. I was right the first time, wasn't I? Going well. Brandon Smith, rooster, yes. Uh, so, I know that people out there tipped the Bulldogs, um, but the Bulldogs were so average, really, in that first round. How do you pick them to win that game? But they did. So, what's going to happen there is you would, both of those clubs, I think, like Bulldogs, you would expect are going to be on the rise, and the Storm perhaps are going to be coming down. Uh, and coach Craig Bellamy is more or less intimated that this will be his last year as coach. Is it going to be a tough year for the Storm? Are they going to struggle? Are they going to fall out of the top eight for the first time in living memory? And are the Bulldogs going to go up? Are they going to come out of nowhere? And are they going to be that team that finished in the bottom eight last year who pushes their way into the top eight or even the top four? Only the next few weeks will tell, I guess. But I thought that game in itself was interesting uh, where we have one team who are supposedly going to be on the rise and the other supposedly falling down and the result sort of went that way as well. You've also got the Eels and the Raiders who are both 0-2. Neither team, I don't think, have been terrible. Um, the Raiders have been unfortunate and Parramatta have certainly had their chance to win that first round game against the Storm. Should have been up by about 20 points at halftime in that game and weren't and then lost and then fell against the Sharks last weekend. So it's interesting in the media again, everyone's saying, oh, Earls 0-2 could be 0-5 because of the draw they have. They play Manly this week and then they play Penrith and then the Roosters, I think. Well, if they are 0-5, and yes, I'm an Earls supporter and I'm happy to admit that, if they're 0-5... Does that mean they can't win the comp? Well, not necessarily, but it doesn't bode well. But if they've played five teams who finished in the top eight last year, or mainly did not, but um, close enough to it, then if you lose all those games, that's what happens. <laughs> it's, uh, and if they've got the toughest draw of the opening five rounds of any club. So if they're not anywhere in the top eight after those five rounds, well, so be it. But then surely their draw evens out a little bit after that, does it not? And the Raiders are in the same boat. They People say, poor old Ricky, and I can't go with the poor old Ricky because of what happened at Parramatta a decade ago. But the Roosters, uh, the, the Raiders are still looking okay. And again, they just need a couple of wins to kickstart themselves, much like last year. If they'd gotten those early wins, they would have made the eight. They would definitely be of the understanding that they need to come good this year pretty quickly to make sure that they don't have to play catch-up like they did last year. To go. And there it is, one-point lead to the Canberra Raiders. So we probably can't finish this part off without discussing the West Tigers who have been in turmoil for, it feels like, years, a decade. Back even from the days when Robbie Farah got involved and pretty much got Mick Potter sacked 
as coach all those years ago, um, the Tigers just haven't been the same since. So they've played two games this year. They've played them both at home. They've played them both in front of packed crowds who have come to see them do something special this year after all the nonsense last year with um, Maguire being sacked and uh, the interim coach deciding to be that we're going to go back to Tim Sheens, who hasn't coached in over a decade, actually got sacked by the Tigers <laughs> before being brought back as the, the prodigal son and the, the saviour of the club and was going to be just the director of football and then has ended up saying, oh no, I'll be coach for the next two years, thanks. And what I'll do is I'll bring in Benji and he can be the coach after that for three more years after that. And we'll have oh Robbie Farrow back as well, who caused all these problems to start with. And it hasn't been great. Lost to the Titans, who played terribly, and the Tigers just played worse and got beaten by them. And then this weekend, played Newcastle, who had been very average in the first round. Like, just really bad in that first round match. And then in this match, they lost Ponga in the first two minutes to another HIA, so he was gone for the match. They lost another player for HIA not long after that. And then we had player in the sin bin before half-time, and then we had Saifidi sent off after the 65th minute, so they played the last 15 minutes with 12 players, and the Tigers still couldn't beat them. (laughs) It was unbelievably terrible awful football and like I've said I've watched not enough games already this year in the first two but I happened to watch that game and it was just deplorable so what do you do I mean I think Andrew Moore summed it up beautifully on radio just said he feels for the supporters because they've had to go through this not only just these two games this year but all of this stuff for the last decade or more and it's just it doesn't seem like there's a solution ever going to happen. Now, Pasco is still running the show as the CEO. Surely he's got to go. How much longer can he possibly say that I am worthy of this position? I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, let's face it. The Bulldogs have been similarly inept over the last few years. Uh, and... Their solution to it is to spend a whole lot of money and bring Gus Gould back to be the saviour. And pretty much what Gus is going to do is just bloody grease the palms of the NRL and the salary cap auditors and everybody else he can. And that's probably going to work for them. But the Tigers, what have they done? Well, they've made some changes. They decided that Jackson Hastings was a problem child and he had to go. So they swapped him for David Clemmer, pretty much, with Newcastle. And Jackson Hastings, quite rightly, was having a few words to say at the end of the game because he was on the winning side of the ledger. And David Clemmer was not. And they've brought in Api Corasau. They've brought in Isaiah Papali'i. Um, they've got Adam Dewey back now, playing at 5'8". Uh, Laurie at fullback. Um, Norfolk on the wing. And they're still just as awful. And this weekend, they play the Bulldogs, who have been the other worst team in the comp for several years, who are now supposedly on the way up. 
So where to for the Tigers now? Now as much as there's all this talk about the Eels going 0-5 after five rounds, at least they're playing teams at the top of the ladder. The Tigers are playing all the teams who finished in the bottom half of the ladder last year and they can't beat them and they don't look like getting close to them at the moment. Now I know we're only two rounds in and I know there's a long way to go. But I see that today Sportsbet are offering uh, odds of $75 on the Tigers winning the NRL Premiership in 2023. If anyone is interested in having a bet, I will offer you $100,000 to one on the Tigers winning the Premiership this year. Hit me up. I'm willing to take your money. Freeman screaming about the one point. Elias is there again. Has he got time? Plenty of it. Hits the crossbar. Freeman was offside. He should have been ruled offside. With all this excellent play going on (laughs) in the NRL at the moment, Peter Volandis has come out during the week or over the weekend and said that their aim over the next decade is to have a 20-team competition in the NRL, given the success of the Dolphins who have just started up. Now, really, (laughs) there's so many reasons why this can't happen unless they do it a different way and do a lot of things differently. If they honestly believe that the NRL in its current shape and form um, can sustain 20 teams, then they are absolutely kidding themselves. There's just no way you can do it. And I think the Tigers' situation has summed that up perfectly in just two games this year for a start, let alone any other point. So let's look at this really quickly because anyone who's listened to this podcast before or has heard me ramble on about the NRL before knows that I'm a firm believer that there needs to be two divisions. And there needs to be the NRL, which is a top division of, say, 10 teams. And then you take the other seven teams that we currently have who aren't in that top 10 and you put in whatever teams you want. If you want to put another three teams in, go for it. Go for your life. And they have to form the second division. And then you need to have a promotion and relegation system to ensure that. Now, of course, that's not going to work because... There's no way in the world that the clubs who are not in the first division are going to get the same sort of sponsorship and the same sort of deals and attract the same sort of players as they could do in the current system where there's just the one division. And that all comes down to the salary cap. Now, the salary cap, of course, we all know, is a rort. It's just an absolute dog's breakfast. Because at the moment, we've had... At the start of this season, we've had the Sydney Roosters once again talking international players, and in this case, Dominic Young, who's been brought over by the Newcastle Knights as a nobody. He's played for the Knights last year. He's then played for England in the World Cup. And now suddenly, the Roosters have come out and signed him for next season for less money than he was offered at all other clubs who were interested in buying him. Why? Oh, because they'll tell us that because we're the Roosters and we're so good, we can offer him other things like this and that. And we can offer him the chance to play in finals every year, which he won't get at Newcastle. And he could play in a premiership, which he won't get at Newcastle. So obviously, because of that, he will come to us and we won't have to pay him as much as, say, Newcastle would in order to keep him. 
Well, how is that a fair competition? How does that make anything right in the competition so that when it comes to a salary cap, we can pay a player less because supposedly we are a great club and we will continue to play finals and we offer all players that kind of thing. Whereas Newcastle can't do that, but they're the ones who actually brought him out here and they actually developed him and have to pay offer him more to try to keep him than the Roosters had to offer him to drag him away. So again, it's inequitable. It's unfair. And Roosters have been doing this for years and Melbourne have been doing this for years as well. They've been able to get around the salary cap no doubt in other ways as well, but of course we will never accuse anyone like that because they don't get caught. But because they play finals every year and play in premierships every year, players will go there for less because they want, to, especially at the end of their careers, because they want to play finals and they want to play in a premiership. But that doesn't help balance the ledger of the whole competition and allow all teams a fair chance of not only signing these players, but of also making finals themselves. We have to have a draft. There's got to be a draft in the NRL. It just has to happen. Um, It's beyond a joke that it's taken this long. And this is 30 years after when they tried to bring in the draft the last time and Terry Hill, uh, who wanted to play for the Roosters and he got signed by someone else and he decided, no, I don't like this, I'm not going there. And so the draft just blew up. What a heap of crap that was. And it's never been looked at since because the Players Association say it's a restraint of trade. Well, it doesn't matter if it's a restraint of trade. If it, it, it works in America because they will do it. And everyone understands the system as it is. There's also a lot more money in America and all that kind of stuff. So they all do it. And of course, the college system over there allows this to occur that way. But somehow, the NRL has to bring in a draft that allows the weaker teams at the bottom of the comp to get a chance to sign the better kids coming through rather than having go in a system where, if you look at this season, for instance, with Penrith, and they've got some really good kids coming through, but they just had the eyes picked out of them by the Dolphins. Uh, Hopgood went to Parramatta because they're unable to keep them all, because they've developed them so well that they feel they're worth more money, which they probably are, but Penrith can't pay that because they're under the restraint of a salary cap that doesn't necessarily work if Eastern Suburbs can do what they do. So we need a draft for that reason. And the salary cap has to be changed. I don't care what anybody else thinks, and I know there are a lot of people out there who will tell me it won't work. We need to go to a point system which works on the basis of how good the player is and what level they have played at rep level or the number of games they've played in first grade level and all those kind of things, that's got to be taken into account and allowed to be a part of the salary cap along with you know a monetary restraint as well in order to balance this damn competition. Because you can't keep having teams like the Roosters and you know we all feel, those of us who aren't Roosters supporters all feel that the Roosters... Uh, get around the cap uh, with the help of Nick Politis and certain other people. And it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. not. That is what it feels like every year when they continue to buy players and are able to source those players. I mean, for goodness sakes, um, Suwali was going to play, was going to be a rooster, uh, a rabbit and suddenly turned up at the Roosters as well. You know, 
I don't care what anyone says. It's all bullshit. And somehow the Roosters have got to be brought into account for this kind of stuff. And that's why this stuff hasn't worked yet, because Politis has so much power that it just keeps getting pushed away and put under the table and not thought about. But if you want to go forward with 20 teams in the NRL competition, it will not work unless you have a draft, have a revised salary cap, preferably using points and that kind of thing, and also looking at a two-division system that doesn't allow the teams that are in the second division to not be able to source good players because they all want to go to the top tier and also that they still have the same amount of money to be able to spend on players in the salary cap system. Now, what's the best way to do it? Look, I don't have the time to go in it to try and figure out and tell you what I think it is because I could do it and then someone would try and pick it apart. But we need the guys at the NRL level to be looking at this and get on with it if they really want this competition to expand beyond what it already is. As Balmain play it back for Elias. Short blindside, they've got some room. Courier's quick. Gets the kick in over the head of Belcher. Bouncing, and Grant's there. He passes infield for Courier. This will be incredible. Surinan charging, charging. They won't stop him. What a try. What a rugby league try in a grand final. The bounce favoured the Tigers. The league club erupts. The stadium erupts. The Balmain players can't believe it. Oh, what a try. I caught an article today saying that at the end of last year in December, the St. George Illawarra Dragons set out a questionnaire to 1,500 members and fans of the club. And the questionnaire was about, if we were to change our name and our identity, what would you change it to? And they offered five or six different options. And some of those options were simply to stay as the St. George Illawarra Dragons or to be called the Dragons, just like the Dolphins are. There was one that was called the Southern Dragons. Um, there was the South East Dragons. And then there was also just St. George Dragons. Now, what did you notice about all of those names? Every single one of them eliminated Illawarra as a part of this name and this uh, entity. So what they're basically trying to do is to wipe out Illawarra's part of this merged team, joint venture team. And they didn't publish <laughs> this report. All this report then ended up saying was that, oh no, we don't have any intentions of changing the name or the identity any time in the near future. It was just an exercise in, in finding out what other people thought about our fans and members thought about this idea. Well, I call bullshit. And this has been a problem ever since the merger occurred. And I can tell you that back in the day, so this is 20 years ago, my father and I went to see the Dragons play Canberra at Wynn Stadium. And we stood on the hill, as we always did when we went to see the football there. And it was the it was three or four days after South Sydney were had won their court battle to get back into the competition after being out of the competition for two years. 
And of course, at the time, after the Super League War, and we had uh, we got to 1998, the NRL, as it was then called, had decided that they were going to cut down to 16 or 14 teams, and that teams could merge and they would get more money to merge. But the possibility was if you didn't actually come to meet the requirements of being in the competition, then you would be kicked out. And that's what happened to the Rabbitohs. And of course, they fought then for three or four years and they got their way back in. Of course, the Dragons, St. George, had merged with Illawarra, the Steelers, and they'd been called the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And Illawarra had basically had everything ripped off them. We didn't have the scarlet uh, jerseys anymore. We were always wearing the red V of the Dragons. And it was a bone of contention for all of those who had been Illawarra supporters. So on this night, Dad and I are watching the game, and there are people wandering around with petitions. What were the petitions about, you might ask? Well, the petitions were asking for the merger to be separated, and that we would both teams would go their own way, and that they wanted to get rid of the Illawarra name and just become the St. George Dragons again. Now, of course, this was all the St. George Dragons supporters from the past who basically didn't want to be a merged entity. They just wanted to be the Dragons again, the St. George Dragons. And it was interesting to see that there'd be a couple of people sign and then there'd be other people who would just sort of shake their heads or ignore them or whatever it was. And they came over and they started talking to us. And my dad, as he does, just sort of looked and listened with his eyes slightly sort of pulled together. And he said, finally, he got to the end, they said, will you sign this? And dad said, well, you'll be looking for new players. And the two people with the petition looked at them and sort of said, what are you talking about? He said, you'll need more players. He said, no, no, we, we're just going to keep the players. We're just going to change. We're going to go back to getting rid of the Steelers and just being the St. George Dragons. He says, well, you can't do that. You want to cut up. You want to divide the merger again, don't you? They said, yeah, that's right. And said, so we've got all the money. And Dad said, you haven't got any of the players because all the players are Steelers players. They're all ex-Steelers players. They're all from the Illawarra. They're from Wollongong. They're from the Group 7. They're from Group 6. He said, you don't have any players. You've got Nathan Brown. And that's about all they had at the time was Nathan Brown. And everybody else was a Wollongong-based player. And so, of course, this guy just thought there was just this old bloke who was just I mean, not understanding. He said, no, no, you don't understand. We're the St. George Dragons. We've got all the money, so we'll buy all the players. And Dad said, well, you don't have it that way. If you want to get rid of the merger, then you can only have the players that you came into the merger with. And that means that the players who were in the Illawarra side when the merger happened, they'll go back to Illawarra. And maybe they'll play in the Illawarra comp, but they certainly won't be playing for the Dragons. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and all around, these guys are desperately trying to make Dad see, da 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 you know, we've got the money, so we'll have the players. And, and, and everyone else around us were just laughing. And then a couple of guys started getting into them, right, you know, just using Dad's defence as well. And just telling them. And so eventually these uh, two guys with their petition moved away. But they seem to be followed by a couple of guys then who followed them around and used that same defense the whole way around for the rest of the game. Which is very amusing. And once again, another example of my father using his own schoolteacher logic to put people in their place. The moral of the story is... Unfortunately, there is always going to be this problem about what the name and what the situation to do with this merger is. There's no doubt that 
if all things were equal, that Wollongong and the Illawarra would have their own team the same way that Newcastle do. But they, the new NRL has always seen Newcastle as an out-of-Sydney team, where they've always seen Wollongong as a part of Sydney. And I've never really understood that. The fact that Illawarra had to merge with St George is as silly, really, when you think about it, as Western Suburbs merging with Balmain, given that Western Suburbs at the time were trying to base themselves out at Campbelltown to be the true Western Sydney. And that hasn't worked very well at all. And there's always dramas with that merger as to whether it will actually explode in everyone's faces. But I do know that whatever happens, if there's going to be a name change, you know what it should be? It should be changed to the Illawarra Steel Dragons. Now, why would they change it to the Illawarra Steel Dragons, as you say? Well, we should be based in the Illawarra at Wynn Stadium. And the steel part, of course, is the steelworks here in the Illawarra, which has been the basis of much of our, well, the money that we had for the clubs in those days, in the early days. And then, of course, we can still have the Dragons, but we'll be the Steel Dragons. And why would we be the Illawarra Steel Dragons? Well, because then we could use Steel Dragons from the great movie that I'm sure all of you have seen, which was Rockstar, which starred Mark Wahlberg, and that's from 20 years ago. It was based on the, based on the story of Judas Priest, who then got a singer to come and play for them, who had actually been in a Judas Priest cover band. And so Steel Dragon was the band that Mark Wahlberg eventually sang for, even though he'd been in a Steel Dragon cover band. So if we became the Illawarra Steel Dragons, we could use one of Steel Dragon's songs that was used in that movie as the theme song for the team and for the winning song. Which song, you may ask? This one. Hey, just for fun, let's have a look at the draw for this weekend's footy, eh? Round three, and see how I can go leading you all on my way. I think I've got five out of eight both rounds so far, so I'm not really expecting to do much better than 62.5% this weekend either. The Thursday night game is the Seagulls, who are in first position, up against the Eels, who are in 16th position after two rounds. And that's at uh, Brookvale Oval, which they will now call whatever they do. Four Pines, is it? Four Pines Park? Far out. It's Brookvale Oval, for goodness sakes. Seagulls will look good. Earls have been okay uh, and have missed their opportunities to win games. Tipping an upset. Going for the Earls. They'll be back and they'll blow out of the water everyone who says they're going to finish 0 and 5 will be 1-2 and two after this weekend, and the Seagulls will be 2-1, and one and will be right hammering on their doorstep. Friday night at 6 o'clock, it's the 
Knights up against the Dolphins in a game that, <laughs> well, two weeks ago before the season started, anyone who was looking at this game would have been thinking, this looks really unattractive. But now, the Knights have won a game without their main players, and uh, the Dolphins have won two games, and they're looking pretty strong. How do you pick the Knights, though, if Ponga doesn't play, Saifidi gets suspended? Um, honestly, they're going to be pretty hard to tip. Uh, the Dolphins, um, they might be down a couple of themselves, and that's, as I was saying earlier, may be interesting to see how they go without their top 17 on the park. At this stage, you've got to back the Dolphins to win this game. Um, I hope the Knights get up and win, though, but I'll be tipping the Dolphins. And the Friday night game is going to be a cracker. The Roosters against the Rabbitohs, and uh, both are 1-2, and two, is that correct? I think, yeah, 1-1, one and one. sorry, I don't know why I'm saying 1-2. and two. Um, And as I've said, the Roosters haven't looked really good so far. They were beaten by the Dolphins, uh, probably not lucky to beat Auckland, but uh, Auckland sort of gave them a bit of a fright. Rabbitohs, excellent in the first round, not so quite so good last week against Penrith. At the moment, I think the Rabbitohs look much better team than the Roosters. They've got the wood on the Roosters um, in recent times. Uh, this is going to be at the new stadium as well. The Roosters will be the home team, but there's probably going to be more Rabbitohs supporters there. I think it's hard to go past the Rabbitohs, and that's who I'll be tipping this weekend. Saturday, 3 o'clock, we have the Titans against the Storm in an absolutely rip-roaring Saturday 3 o'clock game. <laughs> the game where you put where no one's going to watch. But I'll be watching just because it's fun. Uh, again, the Storm lost last weekend to the Dogs. Uh, they've still got players out. They're struggling. Titans have been pretty good this season so far. They've looked fairly strong. <sighs> Can the Storm lose two in a row? Is it likely? Can the Titans continue to win? I don't know. <laughs> and realistically, I think if I was looking this Above everything else, I would say the Titans should win. I'm going to tip the Storm. I don't believe that they will uh, have had a very nice week. I'm pretty sure Craig Bellamy would have been right up their backsides all week. And I'm guessing that they will want to redeem themselves. Saturday at 5.30, we've got the Cowboys against the Warriors up there at uh, whatever they call that stadium these days in Townsville. I can't see the Cowboys losing this game. I think we can just move on. I think that's just... It's a foregone conclusion for the Cowboys. The 7.35 game is the Broncos against the Dragons. And the Dragons, of course, uh, beat the Titans last weekend after having the bye in the first round. The Broncos have won two from two. Um, sorry, they haven't won two from two. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. The Broncos at home are going to be tough. The Dragons have a pretty good record up there at Suncorp Stadium. I'm going to tip the Broncos. Simple as that. No more needed. Sunday, the Bulldogs against the Tigers. And you know what? I've tipped the Tigers in the first two rounds, and I'm definitely not tipping them again. I'm tipping the Bulldogs. Uh, it's at Belmore. So, you know, hopefully they fill out that ground. That would, I mean, this is back from the 80s, the, the Dogs and the and the Tigers. Sorry, West, but against Balmain. Uh, always were fantastic games in the 80s. Uh, let's hope that this one is equally as good, although current form suggests it probably won't be. Bulldogs to win that game. 
And then the final game of the weekend is the Raiders and the Sharks. Interesting, this has been buried at Sunday at bloody 6.30. It's, um, it's going to be a really good game. And uh, I don't know how the NRL got this so wrong in their draw. This would have been a much better 3 o'clock game Saturday. But anyway, uh, the Sharks would be disappointed with their start, but uh, getting up and beating Parra last week, they would be uh, feeling better about themselves. The Raiders will have the belief that they can come back from uh, their start to this season and that they know they need to get going pretty quickly. And I would reckon down their 6.30 game in Canberra on a Sunday night that the Raiders will come home strong. And the buyers, the Panthers. Well, they should get up against the uh, buy. Um, they should be uh, pretty solid this week. I'd reckon uh, a dozen beers to each of the Penrith players on a Friday night should get them home against the buy. All right, uh, that's enough for me today on today's 2023's first NRL episode. Will there be any more? I don't know yet. <laughs> probably if there's more crap to talk about, and it's probably going to be the same stuff as I talk about every year. I haven't had a I have to talk about forward passes shortly or uh, shoulder charges that aren't given as shoulder charges. Oh, so much more to talk about. So maybe another one next week or the week after. We'll see how we go. Anyway. For those of you who have made it this far, thanks once again for listening to me ramble on. And it's gone a bit longer this week than I expected. And, of course, I hope that you'll come back and check out whatever the next episode is of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Cheers. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.